Subject name, Paul Mackey. Class designation, Idget. File name, OIT underscore 027. Heading, Dog Days of Podcasting, Day 27. Hi there. Uh, So why don't we get started with really big things and see if anyone gets ripped. Really Big Things. A Serial. By Paul Mackey. Episode 16. Ripped. Jeremy went to the motel room door. Outside was Chris. Hey, there's a sports bar over near the Maiden so we can eat after I get my shots. Great, said Jeremy, and he began to swing the door shut. Hey, Jeremy. Yeah? You sure you want to stay in this room with... He lowered his voice slightly. That other guy? All these rooms have two beds. I'm sure. We'll see you at dinner. Jeremy closed the door before Chris could say anything more. Okay, so I want to know everything. What am I supposed to do? When am I supposed to do it? Why am I supposed to do it? And what do I need to look out for? Jack turned to Eric. Eric? But Eric was fast asleep on the bed. Jack sighed. Kick him in the head, will you? Seems a little extreme, Jeremy trailed off as Jack's foot whooshed through Eric's forehead. Yeah, I know, said Jack. Cheap trick. Feel better? A little. As you may have guessed, there's no getting him up unless he wants to be up. The whole grumpy bastard thing's wearing thin. Only way he knows how to be. Well, I do it better, so he better stop. Okay. Jack scratched at his ear a second. I can't believe Ivo didn't at least tell you how he started out. He just said I was needed to prevent another Wyckoff. Oh, I see, said Jack, as if that explained absolutely nothing. Well, apparently back in the 70s, Ivo was deep into some sort of theory on how the whole universe works, and he was getting incorrect energy readings that messed up his ideas, whatever. It all adds up that he tracked down an energy field in the basement of a building in Chicago. A library, right? And there's uh, all sorts of elves and dwarves and dragons and stuff. What? No. (laughs) That's just silly. Where'd you come up with that? Now, it was some kind of office building. It came out in a meadow. Sorry. So was this uh, energy anomaly in some kind of mystical closet? No. Would you stop riffing on fantasy tropes and get back to reality here? Fine, go ahead. So, Ivo figured out how to capture the doors and assign them to certain places. The first one he put at the Superdog. Seems he figured a busy public space would be ironically less noticeable. Alright, so what are all you other people in this scheme? Various, really. Ivo has taken upon himself to manage all the doors, and he has teams that help him out. Eric is from one of the door worlds, and has kept out of phase enough with this world so he can slip about unnoticed. Suzette is just a normal person with some extra abilities to read people. So it's all some big, what, physics experiment? All the talking statues had me thinking some sort of magic. Oh, there's magic. In some places, lots of magic. What exactly is your story? Me? Oh, I'm practically nobody. I... Jack was interrupted by a knock at the door. Jeremy found Chris once again waiting outside. Hey, the manager says the best food in town's over at the sports bar attached to the bowling alley. I'm starved. You guys want to head over there? Jack looked over at Eric's prone form and shrugged to Jeremy. Seems like a good option to me. 
Tuesday night was apparently a hopping night at the sports bar. The adjoining bowling alley was filling as league night got up to speed, and the tables were packed. Jack, Jeremy, and Chris opted to sit at the bar. Jeremy picked up the draft menu, and after a quick glance, put it down again. What'll it be, gentlemen? 1919 all around, said Jeremy. Chris raised his eyebrows at this. 1919? asked Jack as the bartender walked to a single tap apart from the other poles. Well, said Chris, it's the best root beer in the world out of New Ulm, Minnesota. Only thing about it is you can only get it by the keg. So you get it when you can, said Jeremy with a smile. He picked up his frosted glass and took a long sip, leaving a foam mustache across his lip which he smacked off with his eyes closed. Ah, heaven. Jack turned to the bartender. What's got this place so busy on a Tuesday? Ripped, my friend, said the bartender. We don't have a local station carrying it. A lot of folks can get it on a dish, but people like to watch it together. As the bartender stepped away to fill other orders, Jeremy asked, What's ripped? Some kind of reality show? Have you been under a rock the last five years, said Chris? No, wait, you have, or at least the CC Club. Hey, only some of us look like we came out from under a rock. Plus, the jukebox at the CC is worth hours of entertainment. Some manner of vapid game show where telegenic contestants do very little to win large dollar amounts concluded, and the screen went black. When color returned to the screen, a blonde woman was doing pitched battle with some sort of zombie in a warehouse. Jeremy looked away, rolling his eyes. No, wait, said Chris. It really is pretty good. This is just the teaser before the credits. Jeremy turned back to the screen. The warehouse set was mostly empty, with a big industrial cutter of some sort in the middle of the two were fighting around. I could write this stuff, Jeremy said exasperatedly. She's gonna get the bad guy on the machine. The zombie got knocked onto the machinery. Then she'll cut off his head and say something like, Don't lose your head. As Jeremy called it, the zombie was decapitated, and the blonde got a nice tight close-up to say, In battle, it's best if you keep your head. Jack and Chris turned to Jeremy for his I told you so, but he simply set down his frosty mug and stared as the opening credits began to roll. Yep, people just love to come in and watch Ripped, said the bartender, sidling back over. Just what kind of name is Brennan for a chick, though? It's Gaelic for teardrop, said Jeremy, quietly, his lips barely moving. Then he suddenly blinked as though surprised he had spoken. Teardrop, repeated the barkeep. Huh. He took their food orders and not too long afterward brought the burgers around. I always wish there could be a little community-type places like this in Minneapolis, said Chris. Then he chuckled a moment later when Jeremy did not respond, apparently transfixed by the TV show. The action on screen was ramping back up to full battle. The blonde was somewhat improbably fighting some sort of zombie king who wielded a sword. With a flying kick, she disarmed the king, and then the next shot was a foot-to-head tilt, the heroine, winded and bloodied, holding the sword at the ready. Jeremy let out a tremendous shriek and bolted from his seat, running out of the bar. "'What the heck?' said Chris, then he jumped off the stool and followed Jeremy. Jack chewed his last bite of burger, then gulped down the last of the 1919 before dropping a 50 on the bar before the bartender and hurrying out into the night. You've been listening to Really Big Things, a serial by Paul Mackey. Music is Chronodermis by Nanochrist. Find out more at www.nanochrist.com. Send questions or feedback to reallybigthings at gmail.com.
Okay, this one I packed full of different things. There's some backstory and exposition. There's a reference to a book by a previous cameo voice. There's my favorite root beer, though now you can get it for home purchase in cans. Favorite Minneapolis bar with my favorite jukebox. We get Tony Mast serving up drinks and Jeremy having a freakout. Eric was fast asleep on a bed, but incorporeal at the same time. That's quite a trick. Well, let's look into That 80s Show Episode 12, Beach Party. Uh, heads up, if you're watching along on YouTube, the final two episodes on the playlist I'm watching anyway are both listed as number 13, and the actual number 13 comes before Beach Party on the list. But I did catch the error quickly, so I didn't see any bombshell spoilers that could have cropped up. Leading off right away, possibly not directly as the file I had started abruptly, uh, but leading off right away, Katie invites Tuesday and Corey to her beach party, celebrating Owen returning from a long tour of duty. Since when? He was just in the last episode. How long is there between these episodes? I don't know. It seems strange. After Debbie Gibson does a turn as an over-exuberant customer, it is revealed Tuesday is looking for a new roommate after hers abruptly left. Corey tells Roger he's thinking of moving in with Tuesday, and Roger thinks he's moving too fast. Side note, Patty, the bank teller, is still dating Roger. Over at VidX, RT tells Sophia about Cosima Blair, played by Morgan Fairchild, who wants to merge her company with VidX. Later, Cosima tries to seduce RT into merging, if you know what I mean. Janice, according to IMDb, that's Debbie Gibson's character name, confronts Margaret about a warped record and the store's no-refund-no-returns policy. Corey suggests moving in with Tuesday, and she's agreeable. When Corey tells RT, Roger overhears, asking what happened to their plan to live together beachside in a bachelor pad. Roger can't handle this and storms off. It turns out Katie's beach party is actually a beach cleanup that she will get class credit for. But of course, once she and Owen go off to clean a section, Corey, Tuesday, Roger, and Patty all sit down for a drink instead, although as separate couples. Apparently, RT merged with Cosima because he tells Sophia the proposed merger suddenly makes sense. At the beach, the two couples talk amongst themselves about Roger's conflict with Corey. Janice continues her occupation of the permanent record store, Sophia confronts Cosima over the merger, and they get to comically play 80s soap tropes, including a full cat fight. But then Sophia turns the fight into an apparent seduction when RT enters, and he calls off the merger over that betrayal. The beach cleanup has turned back to party, with Katie enjoying jello shots with the rest. Corey suggests Roger can still have the beachside apartment solo, and they make up. Janice apparently psychoanalyzes Margaret into a breakthrough to discover why she is a bully and then declines a refund and leaves. The breakthrough is either fake or short-lived as she yells at the next guy who comes in. At the beach, Tuesday and Corey talk themselves out of moving in and Tuesday says she loves him too much to mess things up. They kind of confess their love for one another and kiss, ending the episode. The High Point? After last episode, this one features stunt casting done right with a story written possibly before casting, then getting Morgan Fairchild to play an overblown version of the overblown roles of her past, and Debbie Gibson in a fun role as well. The low point? Well, I mean, most of the conflict resolved abruptly, but of course this is a sitcom and not a drama. Who won who lost? Sophia came out on top of the three business people, winning, improbably. Is it an anachronism? 
I hadn't heard of it before, but Librium is a benzodiazepine anti-anxiety medication brand name introduced in 1960, just ahead of more widely known sister medication Valium in 1963. Very solidly not an anachronism. According to Wikipedia, which is as far as I'm going to research today, the modern jello shot was invented in the 1950s by musical satirist Tom Lehrer to smuggle booze into a party on a naval base. In any case, they were very popular in the 1980s. What worked? Plotting for story rather than for cast. A good blend of a normal story and a send-up of 80s nighttime soaps. Why did it suck? Well, I'm not saying that it sucked, but I got the sense that the non-renewal was already known on set. Something in the energy where they were seeming wistful even when they weren't doing it for story reasons. Final episode is next. Sophia's Depressed. That's the title. I suspect the merger storyline will either continue or leave some residual effects. I just hope the Katie longing does not return to close this thing out. Well, until that happens, happy hunting! You have been listening to the One Idget's Thoughts On podcast, produced by Paul Mackey in association with Quadruplez.com. Theme music is Too Good by Jack Mangan and is used by permission from him. If you would like to hear other podcasts by me, you might try The Ghostlight Podcast, a completed intro cast about the TV series Slings and Arrows, or Idgetcast, an intro cast for the TV series Supernatural. Both can be found on fine podcasting listening software everywhere or at quadruplez.com. Janice, according to IMDb, Debbie Character Debbie Janice, according to IMDb, that's Debbie Char- Debbie Character. <laughs>